Hello, and welcome to Dancing with Disease, a podcast for and about people who move and sway around life with chronic illness. My name is Jerry Ogalda, and I'm the host of this podcast. I want to thank you guys for taking some time to send me some messages, and especially for the advice on the tech support. Boy, oh boy, do I have a lot to learn. I have no idea about microphones and filters and that kind of stuff. It's been cute. I've gotten some messages like, Jerry, I've been working in the industry. You need blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And I'm scrawling these things down, trying to get them all done. But the truth is, this is a labor of love. This is my answer to me lying in hospital bed, being scared to death. This is me walking around my apartment weeks on end, just wondering when I'd feel normal. This is me sitting in doctor's offices and doctor's offices and doctor's offices getting test results and labs done and wondering and waiting. I wanted to put something out there to help people to know that life does go on and their identity does transcend this disease. So I will get there with the fancy schmancy mics and filters and One of these days you're going to hear something that's like, wow, she's so polished. But that's not happening today. And I'll tell you the truth, it's not happening this month. We just started semester two and I'm a high school teacher. So i am got things on the go during the day, but I'll get there. Maybe March break, who knows? Today I want to talk to you about something that is super duper private and so close to my heart. And I'm just literally, my my heart palpitations are going up as I talk about it because or think about it because it is so private, and that's motherhood. I never talk about how scary this has been for me as a mom, because my greatest fear is not being here for them. My boys are my entire planet, and I really have thought long and hard this week about this episode, because what do you say? So I'll start from the beginning. Because I was diagnosed when I had an infant, and learned I was pregnant with a second. These were split second decisions. Thankfully, I had a great medical team and you all know the story about my mom jumping in, telling me to believe, and I carried through that pregnancy, but the doctors were divided. They did not think it was a good idea. I ended up going with my gut. It was a great decision. He's a great child. It worked out really well. But there's that moment after diagnosis when you're home with an infant. How do you get from one day to the next? I did it by focusing on small victories. So first it was me going to the bathroom myself and going the, you know, down to the kitchen and getting some stuff. But then it was on Gavin. I was aching to hold my own baby, to be able to rock him back and forth, sing to him. I wasn't able to do that first. That was my first goal. Before that even though, I was able to change him and feed him. My mom would bring me the food or she'd bring me the... You know, I was able to go and get the diapers and all that kind of stuff as long as somebody lay them down for me. Those were the moments that pulled me to the next one. And as you know, they say the days are long, but the years are short or something like that. They do. They just fly by. For me, the biggest blessing in all of this, the fact that I have disease is not the blessing, obviously. But if I have to have disease, and thankfully I have children, it's that... They were so young when I was so sick, and they don't remember half of it. Less than half. They only remember the hospital visits in the last couple of years. 
And when I talk about going to get blood work done or going to the doctor, I talk about it as ordinarily as you talk about going to the dentist. It's just something I have to do to stay healthy. They didn't see the really scary stuff. Good example of that is when they were about three and four years old, I collapsed because my airway became plugged and I couldn't breathe. It was a Friday night. I was washing dishes. I just put them in their room to watch a DVD. I wanted a little bit of quiet time before my husband came home washing the dishes. And all of a sudden I felt a plug come up and just sit in the back of my throat. And I knew by then that if I tried to cough it out, I very much look like a cat with a fur ball. And it just go, either comes out or in that particular case that day I passed out. Before I passed out, thankfully I had the good brain to jump next door to my mom's house. Yeah, I know. I lived next to my mom for a while. That's pretty neat. And uh, she had the door open. I just flung the door open. She swivels around in her chair. I look right at her. And my 15 years of lifeguard training came through in a, like a millisecond. I pointed at her. I said, Mom, call 911. I can't breathe. Because see, when you're doing all your lifeguard simulations, you are taught to point to somebody in the crowd so they will know who you're talking to to make the phone call or who should go get whatever and wait for the ambulance wherever. So I did that to my mom in her own apartment. And then I walked up the back door and collapsed. While I'm collapsing and she's calling 911 and then she goes to get a neighbor, at some point, obviously, she goes to get the boys, puts them in a room, I guess, obviously turns on the TV or something. The ambulance shows up and my mom tells them that they have to stay in the bedroom because it's the fire department and they're looking for a cat and I'm actually in the back helping them. Like, how cute is that? Gotta love mothers and their creativity. When they're little, it's easier to protect them because they don't know. But what do you do as they get older? Well, as they get older, the truth protects them. My children know I live with a complicated disease and know that it directly affects my breathing. I haven't told them about chemo or almost losing vision in my left eye. I will maybe when they're older, who knows? They know enough to be scared of it though. The other morning, my oldest wakes me up and he's crying. It's like, what's wrong? I had a bad dream. Like, it's okay. I mean, again, as a parent, you're used to the monsters or some Lego Ninjago creature that they saw on TV and now they're scared of him. But this was a big one. I said, no, mommy. I dreamed you went to the hospital because you had a breathing attack and you never came home. And as soon as he says the words, he bawls his eyes out and his head's on my chest and he's just heaving and I can feel the tears like going down my shoulder and arm. And I just held them. I don't even know what to say. I'm like, sweetheart, that is a horrible dream. And that's so scary. And I thought found for the words. I'm like, what do I say to this kid? And I was like, but I'm right here. It was a dream and I'm right here. Because I will never tell him I'm always going to be here. That's not fair. There are moments where I didn't know that. So that's not something I would set my child up for. I tell them the truth. I tell them as much as they can handle in the moment because they deserve to know. The other thing I do is I give them some control. So with my boys, I tell them what medications I'm going to take. They don't know the names of them, but they know I take them every day. Or the supplements. They also know where my nebulizers are, and those are the breathing machine air compressor thingies. They know where the medication for that is, the backup medication, the syringes. I ask them to get them for me when I'm in control, but I know I need to use it. So they can see me doing this proactively. They can see me do it calmly. I've asked my oldest to help me put the medication into the face mask so he knows how to do that. 
that sense of control allows them to feel like they can do something about this. We all like to be in control of whatever is weird and scary. The other big one, of course, is give them the authority to make a 911 call. So far, we haven't ever had to do it. But they know that if things ever get out of control, and it's to the point where it's scaring them, that they're allowed to call. And I told them, you know what? If the ambulance shows up and I've cleared my airway, we'll talk about it. They'll probably give me some oxygen and tell you guys you did a great job. No questions asked. No worries about, you know, calling them for the wrong reasons. Because as you know, as parents, we terrify our children. Don't ever call 911 because they'll give us a $500 fine and then you'll be in trouble. Like that would not happen in this case. You guys are covered. It's important to arm them with this because there's so much going on. It's so scary. In my last year of undergrad at UBC, I took a fine arts course and the professor's last name was Cojodas. Marvin, if you're out there, you rock. I never forget the name because I speak Spanish. So Cojodas, Cojones, I mean, how funny is that? But he shared with us that the thing he was most proud of was being a father. I remember looking at him, I was like all of 23 and ready to take on the world. And I'm looking at this man thinking, you've got a PhD, you've visited ancient ruins, you're the head of the department, traveled the world, and you're proudest of being a father? I just thought it was so bizarre. Yet here I sit tonight, thinking of my boys upstairs and how long it took to get them to bed because they were so hyper after basketball and swimming and cycling. My greatest accomplishment, besides them, is the life I've created for them in the face of the disease. They don't see the disease when they see me. They see the things we do together. All of our adventures and travels and the camping and the baking and the dance parties. Disease does melt its way in and interrupt our lives from time to time. But as I'm getting more used to it, I guess, as they're getting older, they're starting to see it as my normal. And when it interrupts our family life or Christmas like this past year, where I've got to slip into my room and put my nebulizer on, I just make it sound super cash. I'm like, I'm just going to get my machine on. I'll be right back. I am proudest of that. I'm most thankful for that. I did not know that when I was lying in that hospital all those years ago. I did not know that when I was rocking Gavin to bed praying for the life that I was carrying in my womb. I didn't know that the many, 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 many times I've visited hospital rooms, emergency rooms, I meant to say, or getting all those blood tests wondering, will there ever be a cure for this thing? I did always just ask for strength and health and to be here for them. So whatever tricks you need to do, just focus on the small things. Focus on the everyday. Focus on being there for them in whatever way you can because it's all they're going to remember. The bad stuff comes. It comes in waves. I've been telling people this week or the last couple of weeks, the tide is out right now. and We're just swimming on the beach having a blast. I'm going to continue to rock this part. Flares come and go, but you can't take away moments like these because these are the ones that pull you and catapult you and help you through all of the scary, weird, sci-fi stuff. If you're in the middle of that stuff, please send out a message. I know how important it is to be in contact with somebody who understands. 
make sure you put yourself first. Ask for help. Know that with each breath, you're being a rebel against this disease. And it's important to keep it going. I wish you continuous healing. And I'm always sending love your way. Have a wonderful night. Bye-bye.